Well, hi, this is Joel McIver, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Focus on Hey Metal, it's Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 316 of Focus on Metal. This week we welcome back again one of our favorite guests, Joel MacGyver. He's back once again to do our annual prior year wrap-up. And of course we couldn't get him in at the uh, end of last year, so uh, here we are, uh, end of the first month of this year. Got Joel back on to talk about all the things happening in the world of metal in 2016. And as always, those of you who've listened to all the Joel episodes we've done in the past, lots to talk about when Joel comes on the show, lots of catching up to do, and uh, lots of ground to cover. So, with that, I think we're going to skip music this week and we're just doing straight out discussion. So, uh, why don't we just get right on with it? I pressed the wrong button the first time. <laughs> Bloody authors with their big fat no, fingers. I just saw saw a series of three buttons in front of me and clicked the red one. And it went, I went, oh, no, I'm really sorry. It must have looked really rude. I tell you, Joel, <laughs> if a bomb's going off and they ask you to pick the wire, you're not, not pick, and I'm getting, oh, your choice is out the window. <laughs> don't send me to post a letter. <laughs> so how you how you doing? Excellent. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Thanks Happy, for having me. Happy New Year to you. I've got Scott here anyway. Hey, again. Joel, good to talk to you again, man. And you, mate. All good with you? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Sort of. <laughs> all, yeah. sn- all snow and freezing cold and all that shit. Yeah, January. I know, kind of, yeah. This time of year is never that much fun, but still, every day's a good day, right? Yeah, it is. So we'll, we'll get your books out of the way off front, Joel. Um, right, I, re- right. I, I read your Thunder book. Loved oh, how, how did it grab you? Loved it. Oh, good. Glad to hear. You know what I really liked about it? Um, the, the way that the guys told the story, that they're, you know, they were brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. They had to... Um, what was interesting about that was that there were a couple of episodes where the, the stories that they told me didn't add up because they all had slightly different versions of the truth, um, which is inevitable, really, because there's a lot of guys that's a long time ago uh, and a lot of different memories, you know. And uh, so my job was to try and sort of piece together what really happened uh, and especially when it came to the bit where snake the bass player was fired in 1992 i had to get his memories of it danny's memories of it and ross halfin's memories of it all three of whom were adamant that they knew the absolute truth and um so that was one of the challenges but uh, yeah, it worked out okay they, they they had to be honest and they were and uh, they made it really easy for me yeah, I really like the photographs in it as well. Like, even the band went, went and got photographs of them when they were kids. Yeah, that was a good thing. I mean, that was nothing to do with me. The picture department put that together, and the band really worked hard on that. But uh, that was all good. It turned out really nicely. I'm so pleased with it. Yeah, it's very well packaged as well. It's, you know, it's like a coffee table kind of thing. Very well yeah. done. Yeah, they, they put top production values into it. So I quite like that format of book where it's, uh, it's in the band's own words. There was very little from me. Um, and I, I, I quite like that. Authors like that anyway, because it's easy. You just transcribe the interviews and then Tetris everything into place. Um, but uh, it, it's quite efficient as well. It means you get the facts straight from the horse's mouth, which is good. Yeah, so any other books you have coming out in the next couple of months? Well, everything's out now. Um, there's five books uh, that are looking for book deals right now, and they were, at this point, they probably none of them will come out until 2018 unless there's some sort of rush deal that has to happen right now. So there were four books out in the last quarter of 2016, and uh, Thunder was one of them. So it's all good now. I've done 30. 
and uh, waiting for 31 to 35 to attract the right book deal. Nice, nice. So, of course, one of the ways I was going to start this, because we're going to look back a little bit on 2016, was, um, yeah. you know, I was going to say that the obituary section in Classic Rock magazine was getting longer now than the review section. And, of course, mm. Classic Rock magazine is now gone. Well, it's not. It's back. They've uh, Future Publishing have just announced that they've reacquired it, along with uh, Metal Hammer and Prog. Yeah. So I, I knew those mags wouldn't be away for long. So Future, who used to own them before Team Rock was formed, um, have just, like I say, I think yesterday told their staff that those mags are, are, have been rebought. So it'll be interesting to see what form they reappear in. But uh, I thought those brands were too strong to vanish, vanish completely. Yeah. Um, so we will see however long it takes. I hope all those guys get their jobs back. Um, in reality, I don't know if they will because that's not how you know business works. But uh, that would be a good outcome if they did. Now you know you probably know a lot of them, don't you? Because you used to, yeah, you've wrote, you've written for both magazines, haven't you? Yeah, and Prog as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, all three of them. Yeah, I know um, not all of those people, but certainly most of the editorial staff. Yeah. Yeah, because we're um, we're in the midst of doing a project on um, Kerrang magazine. And especially in the eighties, and we spoke to Malcolm Dome last week, and he was yeah. he was like he was involved with the magazine as well, and he oh, yeah. he was pretty gutted now when it happened too, you know, just before Christmas as well. Yeah, it's an awful thing, really. So obviously now it's a slightly different situation because those mags have just been announced that they're going to be reborn in some form or other. But yeah, I think as far as I understand it, and I'm I'm not a publisher, and I wasn't one of the publishing team at Team Rock, so I, it's speculation really. Um, they relied upon uh, a business model which was ultimately unsuccessful. So I don't know how much people knew, and this is probably part of the problem. Um, what Team Rock uh, based its assumptions on was that people would pay a sum of money per year. I think it was around thirty quid. I'm not sure um, to be to buy a Team Rock Plus membership, um, and what that would get you would be all three mags per month plus um, uh, otherwise unavailable online content, right? Um, and possibly other stuff as well. I don't really know. That's quite a sweet deal, if you think about it. Um, but people didn't do it in sufficient numbers to to make it worthwhile. Um, and, you know, key members of staff started drifting away, uh, which is always the death knell. And um, it was appalling the way that those guys didn't were, were let go without any um, salary for December. Uh, that is, as I understand it, legal. You know, you can do that. Um, it was very good of Ben from Orange Goblin to set up that crowdfunding thing, which raised, you know, it must be a thousand quid each. Um, so, yeah, it's a sad thing, really. No, no one benefited from it. You know, I mean, those magazines are great. I hope Future do a good job with them. Um, you know, they did do a good job with them for many years before Team Rock bought them. So let's let's hope that uh, the outcome is a good one. Yeah, and how's your magazine doing, Joel, the bass guitar magazine? Would something like that make you think, holy crap, maybe we got to look at the model we're doing for our magazine. Uh, we don't need to look at the model, um, you know, the, the model of making money through advertising and newsstand sales when you sell a mag is still is still strong. Um, yeah, I mean, my magazine is no different from uh, any other, really, in that, you know, it could go at any minute. You know, a publisher could decide to, to pull it um, because it's not making enough money. And that, that's nothing to do with Bass Guitar Magazine or Bass Players or Future Publishing or anything. All print magazines in today's day and age are at risk of being suddenly closed down, um, and that's just the way it goes. Now, as it happens, my mag serves a small and loyal community of bass players, uh, and there is only one bass guitar magazine in Britain, so it's in a good position. But, you know, you never take anything for granted. Um, it's, it's a healthy magazine, but it's, it's not like it sells as many copies as Rolling Stone or anything. <laughs> but I do my best. 
Yeah. So of course we're looking back on 2016 and yeah. one of the things that has, you know, it's probably affected everyone across all genres of music is the amount of musicians that died last year, even up, yeah. up to Christmas, like a George Michael died, I think on the 23rd of December. So which, which one affected you the most out of all of them? Was it Bowie? Was it George Michael? Was it like Lemmy the end of last year? Was the one that stands out to you that really hit home to you? Certainly those three. Um, George Michael, I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s, you know, and like all the kids back then, you know, you liked Duran Duran and Wham and Soft Cell and, and you know, Simple Minds and all those 80s bands. Um, and it's not so much that I was a huge fan of, of George Michael himself, but, I mean, to die at 53 is just grim, isn't it? And, you know, it, no one knows what the circumstances were. So that was really sad. That was genuinely sad to see a part, part of my childhood go. Um Bowie went before his time, and I was intimately, well, not intimately, I was slightly connected to him in that I did Woody Woodmansey's book last year, which I think we've talked about already, mm -hmm. um, who, who uh, played drums on those Spiders from Mars albums, um, and whose book came out in about, when was it, November, and turned out really well, and I'm still doing press for that now, and so is he. So there was a link there between me and, and Bowie, so that was obviously something that that mattered, you know, and I enjoyed Bowie's work. But actually, I was all equally sad about people like Alan Rickman dying, the actor. You know, uh, me and my family, we just watched the Harry Potter films before Christmas. And actually, you know, he was an amazing presence on screen. Um, but it's sad when any of these famous people go. Um, well, it's not sad when any of them go. It's sad when people go who meant something to you when you were, when you were younger, you know. Um, no, so, yeah. I, I, sorry, it's not a very exact answer. But any and all of them, really. What about you guys? Um... Probably Bowie, I think. Yeah. Um, just such an influential figure across all genres. I think we've interviewed a lot of people on the show and they've all been big Bowie fans as well. I think he touched everybody in some stage in his yeah. life. I remember when Freddie Mercury died, there wasn't anyone who wasn't gutted. Because it doesn't matter if you like Queen or not, you know, 50 Queen songs. And it's the same with Bowie. You know, you, you, you know tons of his songs. And you kind of think that, that these people have achieved a certain immortality. But... Um, Nonetheless, you know, it's just sad to see eras end and new eras begin. It always is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I think still it was just amazing that the, you know, the fact that, that, uh, you know, Lemmy dying just before the year turned and the fact that still like an outpouring just continued throughout the entire year was uh, yeah. just pretty touching for that day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, every metal guy I've interviewed in the meantime has said how much that meant. Now we're in the post Lemmy era. Mm -hmm. uh, I've just done a, uh, just compiled this massive Motorhead box set, actually, uh, for, um, who the hell is it for? I think it's for BMG. Hmm. I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember which record company is putting it out because it was like a, 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 a subcontracted smaller company, which asked me to do it. But um, I, I'm not sure there's a title yet, but it'll be out fairly soon. And it is, uh, you can either get a single CD, a double CD, or a full LP version of this thing, um, which is a really tasty looking thing. So I spent quite a bit of time towards the end of last year putting that together with the record company, which was a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, and it's, you know, it's been done many, many times before, frankly, but nonetheless, you still try your best to, to deliver the best value you can. Right. Um, what I would like to see um, is uh, a box set of their 2000s material, Motorhead stuff. Mm a compilation of all that recent stuff and the reason i say that is that cameron webb the producer who took who did uh, all those latter day motor dubs i think did an incredible job and had and gave him a great sound and uh that that era is kind of slightly ignored i think in motorhead times but uh, anyway so that's that's another conversation i'm sure but uh that'll be coming out at some point that's awesome yeah i mean that's def definitely good stuff there anytime you can get some 
any other new motorhead and it's in people like me that are like, oh, got to be complete about it and stuff. But I, I agree about the, the 2000 stuff, too. Just you, You're right. He did really give a nice, good, consistent sound and uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, did a great job with and, and and with very little overhead, too, which is pretty amazing. I mean, he's, you know, he's got like a, that little studio and stuff. And it's amazing That's what right. he did with that. Yeah. 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 He told me some funny stories, actually, about how Lemmy uh, couldn't record his vocals if he wasn't playing a bass at the same time. So they gave him an unplugged bass to strum. <laughs> <laughs> but you can just imagine Lemmy refusing point blank to do it, can't you? you know? uh, oh, yeah. Cameron Webb just sort of raising his eyebrows and going, okay, give the guy a bass. You know? Yeah. So, of course, Joel, in the last 14 months or so, we've had albums from Slayer, Megadeth, Metallica, Anthrax, <laughs> Death Angel. We've one come off Overkill, Metal Testament. Church, Testament. Like the trash scene seems to be thriving when it comes to new material. You, you have yeah. any thoughts on why that is? I think <clears throat> those guys are are still reasonably young. You know, they're, they're in their fifties or even in their late forties. Some of them. Uh, that last Testament was great. That last Megadeth, uh, last Death Angel, Overkill. The new Creator's great. I don't know if you had a chance to hear that. No, not but, yet. Uh, no, that's killer. <laughs> that's a really good one. That's coming out quite soon. Um, I think they know they have to play fast and hard uh, and be inventive in order to, to sustain a career. I don't, they've seen uh, quite a few bands. Megadeth is a classic example. We've put out a lot of uh, boring albums in the last sort of decade or so. And uh, they, they've seen how much people hate that. So the, 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 the level of bands below that, like your Testaments and Anthraxes and the rest of them, have to do quite well, I think. And, um, you know, they've got nothing to lose, have they, at this point? Um, they're all playing well. Uh, but I think there's a, there's a, I think there's a point in a musician's life. If you do make it with your, all your facilities intact, your forties and fifties, then you're playing really well at that point. Um, there, there's, and, it, and the same generally in, in life, you know, I think that can be a really productive time of your life, um, before your facilities start to fail, you know, in the sixties or whatever. Um, so I think there's a reason that they're on form. They know they have to perform. They're full of ideas. Uh, it's, it's, you know, people will come. People will come to good thrash metal bands concerts. You know, it's it's just a, it's it's not boring kind of modern metal. It's not it's not too extreme. It's just good, violent, fast, exciting music that requires uh, dexterity and creativity and imagination. And they all have that still. Yeah. So you know, all those things add up. You know, all the ducks are in a row. It is in interesting you, you talk about you know having the facilities and stuff too. And I think that's one thing is that most of those bands, with the exception of Metallica, they're still touring regularly. And yep. they're doing quality touring too, so it isn't like you know, you know, twelve months in a camper type of thing either. That they've got a little bit more comfort than they did back in the eighties and stuff too. But uh, I think that really definitely adds to your chops. I wonder if there's a little bit of a reaction against a lot of uh, newer bands that haven't quite haven't quite enthralled a certain demographic of headbangers as well. You know, I mean, we all know that bands like Lamb of God and and Avenged Sevenfold and, and Machine Head and you know, all perfectly good bands, but perhaps they don't have the excitement that um, that, that some of the older thrashers are now offering. You know, Test being a good example. Yeah, um, true. You know, for guys who are not twenty eight years old, for guys who are a little bit older than that, who want to see something a little bit, a little bit more intense, um, possibly that's uh, that's one of the reasons as well. But I mean, I don't want to get into the old. There's no good more. There's no good metal because that there is. There's lots of it, but I think a lot of it is a, a smaller low down level um preparation for this actually i was looking at a list of uh, metal albums released last year and there was a lot of stuff sort of really low down on the pecking order which was really good you know like that nails album was, was really really good um that witchery one even that 
you know, Superjoint did some good stuff. Yeah. There's loads of good stuff. Yeah. Vader had an EP, didn't they, which was great, I thought. And yeah. there's a lot of music. Talk about oh. that lower tier. Like, one of my favorite albums from last year was the, uh, the new one that Widow put out, Carved in Stone. Um, just a great yeah. album for them. They, like, really yeah. got their sound together. It's it's thrashy, um, yet it still has a little bit of commercial to it. And yeah. even, I think, like, two weeks ago, I pulled that out and lived with that in the car for about a week. And, and it's still, like, one of my favorite albums from last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean... There seems to be music which is which is lasting, you know. Um, I mean, I, you know, the year really has to be about Metallica, I guess, in some ways. Every year the Metallica releases an album is a special one. Um, and uh, that had some balls, you know. I thought it was an improvement on the last one. I'm jumping to this subject, so I, I assume you're... <laughs> no, no, this is fine. This is what we <laughs> want you. <laughs> a lot of it, I, I mean, like, I reviewed it in a Record Collect magazine, and I said um, it's rather like Death Magnetic in that there's quite a lot of boring stuff. There's quite a lot of mid-tempo stuff that just yeah. goes on on and on and you're going oh come on um but there are more good exciting uh, different songs than there were on the last album which has got to be a step forward yeah i mean uh, it looks like yeah. they sonically have settled into something that we started to see in death magnetic but what was interesting on that one too was that the second disc was yeah. pretty much it sounded very lotish as opposed yeah. to the first one i don't know <laughs> yeah. if you got that vibe out of it but but i did I read a lot of comments saying that the second one was uh, inferior to the first. I wasn't quite sure if I grasped that, but I definitely sensed the different feel. Mm. Um, that last song, the thrash one, was obviously, you know, pretty, pretty good. I, this is so geeky, but I, I get really annoyed with Greg Fiddleman's guitar tone. I always wish he would, he would ramp up the gain uh, on the distortion um, because I think those songs require a little bit of that kind of cutting edgy sort of crispy sound right. but that's just me being a geek as always uh, <laughs> it's definitely a step step forward for metallica they, they can still do it you know the good the good parts on that album are amazing there's one bit and i can't remember which song it's in but it's kind of like there's a very kind of atmospheric bit almost like the cure it just lasts it just lasts like a minute and then then it goes and i was quite impressed with that and a few other little touches like that that show they're still thinking you know, and and they they are an example of what I just said is that a lot of these bands can still do it. They 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 have the opportunity and the ability and the imagination to do it. So you know, fair play to Metallica. They still polarize opinion massively, don't they? But um, you know, where would we be without them? Frankly, yeah, no, I I like the album. I don't love it. Um, I find Kirk yeah. Hammett's solos on it though pretty they're forgettable i'm like when i listen to the album i'm like oh wow like that solo is amazing i just that just didn't happen to me on this one at all i think he's uh i think he's it, they were better than the last one because they're more improvised they sound a bit more improvised but yeah the problem with him is that he has all those amazing solos from the first three four albums that he you just know you know note by note and coming up with with solos that compete with those is very difficult but uh yeah i, I know what you're saying <laughs> Yeah, it's a good album. I, w I wish they would have had more songs like the last one and the first one, though. It's kind of there to bookend. There's, it's like there, that's like the battery and the damage ink, and then there's too much in the middle of it. It's too long in the middle. Right. You know, we can only dream of a new damage ink, frankly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've said this many times. The point about Metallica is seeing them live. You know, you go and see them live. That's where they really excel. And uh, after a Metallica concert, you, you don't walk away saying, oh, I wish saying to yourself, I wish the last album was better. It doesn't matter what the last album was like. You, you just know you've seen a set of incredible songs. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. You know, yeah. you got you to gotta love them. Yeah, no, my, my favorite album the last year, Joel, was uh, Dystopia, Megadeth. I thought it was amazing. It was a great record. Yeah. You know, I think, I think Mustaine makes, um, makes his best music when he's annoyed and pissed off about things. And uh, I, I, maybe that reunion that didn't work out before that, uh, you know, helped, helped fuel that a little bit. And, um, 
You know, it worked out great. I, 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 thought, I thought it was full of balls and full of aggression, which is what you want from Megadeth, really. Yeah, I saw yeah. him in, um, I went down to New Jersey to see him play. Um, yeah. It was them, Metal Church, Butcher Babies, um, and I'm on, I'm on a Mart. And um, they played six or seven songs off Dystopia, and it fits seamlessly in with all their hits. And they it's played impressive. that, uh, they played that, you know, that instrumental? Um, towards the end of dystopia, and then it goes into this re- lying in state. I think it's called really yeah. trashy song. And I was, yeah. I was hoping, oh, please play that. And I was jumping up and down. It was absolutely incredible. Every couple of albums, they really hit it, don't they? Yeah. You know, maybe every two or three albums. I don't know. It depends who's in the band. It depends. Who knows what it depends on, really? But every now and then, they really, they really do kill it. And uh, I'm so pleased for them because, you know, the, the previous couple weren't all that great. And um, uh, as you know, David Ellison's a good friend of mine, and and I said to him, look, I wasn't really on on board that much with uh, um, what was it, Super Collider, and the one before that was thirteen. Thirteen, yeah. I, I I didn't think they were that good, and um, but this one just destroys them, and uh, that that was great to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and I was so happy when Richie came back and said that they played that many songs off the new one because yeah. the last time we saw him, what they played Kingmaker, and that, and that was, was it. it, and it was a Super yeah. Collider tour, and I'm like one song. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad they did that and that they fit in. That's quite brave of them. They wouldn't, wouldn't normally do that. Yeah, no, uh, not a couple of albums that did it for me this year, Joel. I don't know whether you heard them. Uh, Fate's Warnings, new one, Theories of Flight. Was no, that, haven't heard it. Is it good? Yeah, it's incredible. And uh, Primal Fear, Rule Breaker, was yeah. brilliant. So I heard it but I, and I gave it a chance, but I've never really been able to take them that seriously. But uh, I, I know people love them and I know they're great musicians. So, you know, that, that that's great. But uh, no, there's a lot of good stuff around, right? A hell of a year. Yeah. What about, you ever heard of a band called King, K-Y-N-G? I've heard of them, yeah. yeah I heard they, the they, had a, they had an album out called Breath of Life. It was amazing uh-huh. as well. What sort of stuff is it? It's kind of, mo- it's a three piece. So it's kind of motorhead-ish, Soundgarden, it, very, very varied. But when that's they're good. heavy, they're really heavy, yeah. Yeah, brilliant yeah, yeah. no good stuff yeah. um there was some good black metal as well i don't know if you guys listen to that not not really but go ahead joel what, what, well death, what? there's this band called death spell death spell omega this french black metal band and french black metal is very strange it's very very dark i don't know what it is about those guys but every time they do a record uh death spell omega it's it's uh it's really quite special, you know. It's uh, it's it's mental and it's dark. So check that check that out anyway. And Dark Throne had a new one as well, who I like as well, kind of old style. Um, oh, Suicidal, that was a good album. Did you hear that one? I didn't actually saw them live though. They were on the bill with Megadeth as well. I saw like a couple they've of other songs. Dave playing drums, haven't they? they? Have yeah. We I met him backstage. I was like, oh, Dave, get a picture. Yeah, sure, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> was he on good form? He was. Yeah, he's a brilliant drummer, yeah. George. Got an interview coming up with him. That's going to be fun. You know, he stopped talking about how he came to leave Slayer. It's just too much, too much. Yeah, you don't blame these guys, though. Like, they've been asked about the same thing over and over again. Like, we had we had Mike Portnoy on uh, earlier last year. Oh, he's a great and, man. And we said to him straight up before we even got into it, we're not asking anything about Dream Theater. And he was like, oh, thanks, lads. Let's <laughs> talk about the 10 bands I'm in, not the one that I'm not. <laughs> you know? Precisely. <laughs> You know, I, it was all so weird the way that went down. And, you know, frankly, none of it should have happened in public. But there you go, it did. So, yeah, no wonder he's not talking about all that stuff. He's a great man. I, I you know, I, I always think he's been slightly, uh, he hasn't found his niche. You know, he's done the old thing outside metal, which was good. And he's done, you get the impression that he's always been struggling a little bit just because he's the killer thrash metal drummer. Um, was there other stuff he could have done? Quite possibly. I um, managed to track down that classical music album he did years and years ago. Um, it was an interpretation of Vivaldi's music, 
and uh, got him to sign it for me. And when I handed it to him, he said, wow, you got this. How on earth did you find this? Because hardly anyone knew about it. Uh, and he said he went over to Italy and they just treated him like a king, you know, and got him to play drums along with this classical music, um, which is funny. I doubt if anybody in the world owns it apart from me. But it was uh, that was interesting. Yeah. All right, cool. What's your take, Joel, on the Anthrax album? Do you have an opinion on that one? I was slightly disappointed, but then I was with the last one as well. Um, I, I, I've just, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've just never, never got over uh, how, how, how much they went down after Among the Living, which is like a hundred years ago at this point. And uh, I, I should really, I've listened to all the stuff diligently, and Frank Bello is one of my best friends. I love him dearly, um, but I can't quite, quite resign myself to to liking it as much as the old stuff so no it's all right it's great you know they're a good band they're another band which is you know they're amazing live right yeah um they're playing that uh they're playing among the living here all the way through uh and in europe next month um which is uh, which is a, a, a exactly what they should be doing you know they, they should have done it years ago frankly because yeah. uh, that album just does not does not age it's amazing yeah it is they, yeah. they play half of it live anyway Right. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of with you on on the new one too. Like uh, worship music, I kind of came away with I like some of the songs on it, but then, then the new one came out, and like I said to Richie, like I'm kind of disappointed because when I stop listening to it, I don't remember a damn thing I just listened to. Like nothing sticks yeah. with me, and that's that's yeah. always a concern of of mine. If you walk away and you're like, I don't remember literally anything I just heard at all. <laughs> so, so uh, yes, that happens to me a lot. I mean, um, I listened to that last Lamb of God record and there was one song which really stuck in my head and that part contained guest vocals from um, the guy from Deftones Um, and it was very unusual and different it sounded odd for that record and that's why it stuck in my head but apart from that and again great guys great musicians I I couldn't couldn't really remember anything and uh, I get that a lot but that may be just because we're not 15 years old anymore and we're not you know and we're not focusing on music as much as perhaps we would have done um I, I have this conversation a lot with people. Uh, when is when is the age that you stop caring about music as much as you once did, and you stop listening and committing it to memory? And uh, I think it's probably around the age of thirty. And we continue to listen, you know, and care. We do, but do you really commit it to memory as much as you would have done otherwise? Give it a second go, and a third go, and a tenth go. You, you probably. I, don't quite I think as much. I think Joel, a lot of that is how easy it is to get. If there was more yeah. of an effort to get it. Like yeah. if you had to go to a record shop and actually queue yeah. and, and like you used to years ago at midnight, the new album would come out and you'd turn up at midnight yeah. to get it, you'd yeah. listen to it. Now it's just click and then delete. And there's I no- mean, I, I, yes, I mean, like you can't, uh, I, w- I wouldn't want that easiness to be taken away, that easiness of access. But you're absolutely right, of course. If, you, if you're going to queue up in 1991 and buy a Metallica album at midnight, you're not going to listen to it once and then not listen to it again, are you? You're going to try and try to listen to it 50 times or 20 times. I agree. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You can't I have it both ways. There's so much that comes out too, because yeah, I mean, yeah, look around the studio here, and Richie can attest. I've got like piles of CDs, and yeah. even like the back seat in my car, it's like a running joke of like, how many you got back there now? Like thirty, forty, like yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's just like so much music out there. I know. And if you wanted to download stuff, you could download a thousand arms a day. And you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I have this conversation quite a lot with people, and it's it's always a little bit negative. But the, the positive picture is that there's lots of good music. Um, the, the the question is finding it among all the stuff which is not so good, um, and that's very hard. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a bit about live gigs, Joel. Was there any live yeah. gigs stood out for you last year? Did you go to Did you go to download at all? I went to download. Yeah, and that's the one I'll nominate because it was uh, Black Sabbath. And uh, although it, the rain was 
absolutely pouring down and uh, there were six inches of mud. I don't know why it always happens at download. It wasn't that rainy the week before or the week after, right? It was just <laughs> Isn't that mandatory Obviously, for a festival in England to have rain? I thought that was yeah, part I, of the plan. And, yeah, you'd think, right? I mean, download is, is legendary for being completely, completely drenched with rain. I don't know why. Um, Ozzy sang a quarter tone flat the entire time, obviously. Um, but that's the part- rain does wash the piss off the stage, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's help. you know, and, and but the, the rest of the band were absolutely on it. You know, you, those riffs were just insane, uh, and the atmosphere was good. And you know, but Ozzy cracks me up, man. I mean, he, at one point he said, I'm gonna count to three and I want the whole crowd to shout, Yay! <laughs> and I sort of laughed, and he, but he meant it. He said, One, two, three, and everyone went, Yay! And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like any other more meaningful syllable it was literally yay and i thought god after 40 years or whatever it is of doing this is that the best he can come up with but um it was funny you know it, it, it lent some amusement to it and a lot of those songs are just so timeless you can't beat them live yeah, did, um, did you go yeah. for the whole weekend joel or was it just the sabbath gig? just the sat just the saturday so um i'm trying to try to hear what else i saw that shows how. Uh, shows how much the problem attention. now is the problem now, Joel, is they've got four hundred bands, and you can you know, Whereas before, they used to have six, and you could rattle them off the top of your head, and you know you'd know what so, time they were going on. And now it's like I have to run over here to watch this band, and shit, I got to run all the way back now. And and as an example of that, I can tell you about Donington in nineteen eighty eight, which was the first major gig I went to. Well, you, you, started, were, you were at the Guns and Roses one where the kids got killed. That's the one. That was oh. my first major gig. I'd been to small gigs before that, but I'd never been to a big thing before that. And I can tell you exactly, without even looking it up or thinking about it very hard, uh, a DJ set by the Bailey Brothers started it. Then it was Halloween. Then it was Guns N' Roses, Megadeth, Dave Lee Roth, yeah, Kiss, Kiss, and I met. The Bailey Brothers. Wow, it is a memory. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, uh, Jonathan King came on stage. You know who that is? Yeah, nobody did. <laughs> people, people started throwing bottles of piss at him. Yeah. And uh, he had to do a runner. And I remember someone jumped on stage and um, tried and ran up to Dave Lee Roth and was tackled by about 10 security guards. I remember Lars Ulrich came on stage and did backing vocals on Peace Self. Um, I remember so much about that gig that I don't remember about Download six months ago. <laughs> yeah, 108,000 at that gig. Unbelievable. Mate. I was there, and I knew nothing about the, the, the guns. I wasn't even paying much attention to Guns N' Roses because I just wanted to see Megadeth. Yeah. Uh, but I did watch, and I remember the intro of Sweet Child of Mine. I'm thinking, oh, that's quite good. And um, and then uh, people being asked to step back from the stage and not doing, because the way they had it then was that the hill, uh, it's on a slight slope download, and they put the stage at the bottom. So in other words, all the crowd were forced downhill, were sort of leaning downhill towards the stage. Uh, when they when they changed it around a couple of years later, they made it up the hill, right? So that there was less likelihood of people being crushed. But I remember um, I was 17 at the time, and my parents found out that someone had died at download, and they were up all night worrying about it until I got back, And because uh, I was a couple of hours away from there. But I remember that gig very, very clearly. Someone punched me in the face, I remember, in the, in the middle of the crowd. I was just walking along, minding my own business, and this guy came along and went, whack! And then just walked off. And I didn't know what to do. I was so shocked. I didn't know what to say. So, so uh, fun, fun memories. Yeah. <laughs> any other gigs this year, Joel? Did you go to Royal Albert Hall or did you go to any, any Yeah, I went to see, uh, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I did. I went to the Royal Albert Hall to see, it wasn't a gig. It was, um, it was the film Aliens. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they accompanied it by a live orchestra the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. They, this is off topic, obviously, but oh, they, cool. it was incredible. The Royal Albert Hall have a, 
a series called um, Film Plus Orchestra, and they played Titanic and The Godfather and all this stuff. Any kind of big blockbuster film that has a large orchestral soundtrack, right? And uh, Aliens, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've seen it 50 times. It's one of my favourite films. Oh, yeah. The chance to see that uh, in, in the Royal Albert Hall with whatever it is, 7,000 people, with an orchestra playing that incredible soundtrack was just amazing. Um, and when we got there and sat down, uh, they even, you know, the 20th Century Fox thing, which goes, they played that. Even played that, and we were all laughing. And then at the end, James Cameron and Sigourney Weaver got on stage. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that was that. But also, I saw a blues singer that I want to recommend called Rebecca Downs. That's D O W N E S. Rebecca Downs. I saw her at the 100 Club, and she was amazing. Uh, and then I would also like to mention Thunder, of course. They launched the book that we did at a festival in Manchester called uh, Louder Than Words, which happens every year. It's a kind of, if you ever get a chance to get over to it, it's, a, it's specifically a festival for music books, rock books, music books, punk books, whatever. And they have all these cool people there. And Thunder did an acoustic set with me as the, the sort of MC. So um, that was a good gig. Uh, so that was a few. I didn't do that many gigs, actually. The, the, those are the ones that stand out. Um, but obviously, there's you know, everyone in the world is is touring this year. It'll be fun to see some shows. Yeah, we went um, to Maiden, we went Maiden, to, are touring, aren't they? Maiden are out, Sabbath are out. We went to a couple. One of the ones we went to was uh, Generation X. It was Ingve, Nuno Betancourt, uh, Steve Vai, Tosin Avesi, uh, and Wild. Zach Wild. So was that one of those uh, G three things? With kind, major sort of kind of yeah. Yeah, it was a thing that Vai put together. That was that was how was good. it? It was good. Yeah. I think I think the best gig though we went to this year was uh, Glenn Hughes. Oh, Glenn Hughes was amazing. Yeah, was fantastic. Oh, so I'm seeing him in a couple of weeks actually when he oh, plays over here. Incredible. Yeah, he's awesome, isn't he? yeah, he always he always lays it down live. He's amazing. Yeah, the last album resonates brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it's a great record. Yeah, I should have mentioned. I really yeah. enjoyed that one. Yeah. yeah. No, he's he's a, he's 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 absolutely flourishing at this point in his career. He's, uh, I think he's going to be 66 this year. Um, looks 46. Sounds 26. You know, the, the, the guy is incredible. Dresses, and, um, he dresses like a 16-year-old. <laughs> he puts us all to shame. Yeah. Was, but it was probably the weirdest-ass gig we ever went to because it was basically like in a supper club. So there were people right. actually like having dinner watching Glenn <laughs> it's, Hughes. It's like Glenn Hughes on stage at a wedding reception, Joel. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Where was that? Where, where was that? Um, the Bull Run in the Shirley, Bull Run in Shirley yeah. Mass. It's probably about 45 minutes from here. And it was the thunder and lightning. The weather was horrible. Yeah, it was and, piss and rain. Yeah. Oh, it was like download. It was just, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was unreal. But yeah, it was like, it was watching him literally like in a supper club. But oh man, he just, just totally rocked balls. And then it was funny because we had these two guys who were sitting one table over from us. And yeah. one guy was just bitching about the fact that they hadn't played Burn yet. And. <laughs> And at the very end of it, of course, you know, he ends with Burn, and then this guy's like out of his mind. And the other guy, what was it? There was some other song. What did he play? I can't remember what it was, but he watched, he was all excited about the song. He watched the entire song through his phone screen as he filmed it. Like, yeah. like yeah. he's playing the song you wanted to hear. You're, you're watching it through your phone, asshole. And then, I did. I think very it was what? A couple months ago, we saw the same two idiots at the Doro show. Yeah, we're at Doro <laughs> Pesh. Same two guys. It's so strange, isn't it? It's so strange. I remember I was at Megadeth <clears throat> when they played Wembley um, uh, earlier last year, and they were on fire. I mean, uh, you know, like you said earlier, just just on fire. Mustaine was just ripping into the crowd. It was hilarious. And in front of me, um, and I was with Megadeth's press officer in front of us, there were these two guys who, I, I, I don't know what the deal was, but they were behaving as if they had been wanting to see Megadeth 
their entire life and every single song was their favorite song <laughs> so when it started when it started they were going nuts they were like ah every time every time a song's like hugging each other like weeping it was the best thing <laughs> the funniest thing to see Oh, yeah. that would have been the guy Mike at Glen Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Yeah, this oh, guy man. Mike, he had his he took out his phone and he started showing us all the list of all the bootlegs and everything he had. We never met him and we were like, Oh my god, I I think we should get up and walk away from this guy. Just one of these freaky <laughs> fans. There's a lot of them around. Yeah, they are. They are very, very strange people. Yeah. So Joel Let's talk about books. Any any good books you, you read this year? I, I'll tell you what I'm reading now, is, and it's amazing, yeah, is uh, Mick Wall's one, Last of the Giants on Guns and Roses, that just came oh, out. Oh, yeah, I've got, that, uh, I've got that on my shelf to read. Everything that Mick writes, I get and, uh, and I read. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, but he's done a good job, yeah? Oh, it's, fa- fa- it's amazing. amazing. I mean, if anyone's going to write a book about GNR, it's him. Yeah. Uh, I've, read, I've read his earlier stuff on, on Guns and Roses. He, he, did, he did a book about them years ago in the early 90s and then he did uh, a biography of Axel um, and I've read Mick's own autobiography Paranoid so I, I've, I've read a lot of the stories but uh, yeah a, a really decent analysis of GNR has been uh, overdue so I'm looking forward to that yeah now, Mick's, uh, he's a great man yeah he's what he what he what, what I found great about the book was it's not all about him and Axel he actually does tells the story of the band and yeah. you look at Axel Rose now and you know, he's done gigs now with ACDC and he's got back with Slash and Duff and yeah. his resurrection of his career has been unbelievable because you read all about him a few years ago and he was two hours late on stage. He was a recluse living on the top of a hill. The album was mm. taking 15 years to come out and now he's just completely the opposite. People love him singing with Angus yeah. Young. It's incredible. Yeah, his, rep- his reputation wasn't very good, was it, in, in the 2000s? And um, he that ACDC gig was a, was a really good one for him because it really showed people that he could do the job and people knew that acdc wouldn't take him on if he didn't behave professionally as well um so yeah that's good i don't think i'll bother going to see them when they come this year uh i, I don't know I may, I may completely change my mind about that but um i i, I always wanted it to be with izzy and and um what's the name Stephen. yeah so yeah, uh, yeah. that's what you know, a lot of people were surprised when they were asking me too because they you know they came to did a couple shows here in foxborough and i was like you, are you going i'm like no nah, it's it's not it's not the same thing. It's it's you need those two guys, and especially yeah. Izzy. You know that he's like I don't think people understand how integral he was to the band. And I was just like it's just, nah, it's not the same. I mean, even if they had had you know any of the other people that had been with them or something, but like kind of filling in the way they did, I'm like nah, I'm just I'm just not into it. And people were people were shocked. So I'm glad to hear you kind of have the same opinion. I do. I mean, but then I was lucky enough to see them in '88, so I I don't feel the need. You know, funny enough, I've seen Kiss a couple of times since then, but I don't feel the need to see them that many times because of that first Donington and Maiden, for that matter. And they're still that doing first... the same set list anyways. <laughs> exactly. That that Donington completely seared itself into my mind, and I've never forgotten it. And I never went. I, know, I didn't go back to another Donington. I, I only started going back when it was downloaded. But um, yes, the, 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 you know, yes, Axel, fantastic. You know, I'm glad to see they're back on form. Glad that he didn't just get old and die without ever doing something good again. You know, and yeah. uh, so. To them. So the other books that did it for me, Joel, I don't know whether you read them. Uh, Carmine Apice's book, Stick It, is very good. I haven't read it yet, but years ago he asked me to be his uh, his co-writer on it. And um, 
Uh, I would have done it too, but uh, we were having problems getting a deal, and then the moment passed, and it was all amicable. I just didn't end up doing it. And uh, so I was quite surprised to hear a couple of years ago that, that his was coming out. So that's good. So I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious now when it comes to doing an official memoir for, for a band, yeah. What, yeah. what you like to read. Do you want the salacious stuff, or do you want the album-by-album album detail? <laughs> Uh, somewhere in the middle. Increasingly, uh, I don't want the, uh, the salacious, groupy stuff. I find it's it never really trans trans it never translates well to print. Uh, you end up reading it and you think, oh man, did it? I don't feel good about having read that story, um, unless it's phrased in a in a sort of tasteful way, which is very hard to well, do. C Carmine's has got a lot of that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if it's phrased in the right way, you know that's uh, cool. No, I mean, it, it wasn't. You get the full mud <laughs> shark story, complete beginning to end. And it's well, that's different because that's 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 that's, that's a story, yeah. But it's more when you hear every single encounter backstage in every single orifice, and you think, you know what, did I really need to hear this? I'm not. I don't object to it or anything. I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't think it's immoral or anything. It's just I. It, I don't think it reads great. Um, so, uh, and to answer your question, what you do when you're going in to write someone's book with them is you say to them, look, how much of this stuff do you want in? Because they all have it. How much do you want included? And usually they'll say, "Well, I don't really want my wife and kids to know every single detail, um, but we'll uh, we'll make some reference to the to the backstage stuff that happened, which is fine with me." Um, yeah. Well, the neat and, thing that Carmine yeah. did in his is he actually gives like a chapter for his wife to actually write in about what she thinks about all of everything that's in the book. So it was well, kind see, of interesting to do that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, any kind of new, interesting approach like that that's kind of funny, I, I admire. And uh, I like Carmine. He's a, he's a good guy, and he's, he's, he's the alpha male. You know, when you meet him, you know you've met him. Yeah. But uh, he's like Gene Simmons in that sense, or, you know, one of the, you know, yeah, God, do you, Jimmy. Do you, do you have the lawyer hat on you when you're writing, uh, thinking you write something down and you think, no, nah, that's not going to get past the lawyer, or do you just put it all in and let them go through it? Uh, usually I like to be, um, uh, I, I like to be, so safe rather than sorry uh i'm fairly risk averse when when uh when i come to these things so if there's something which is going to be potentially libelous i flag it up and say look in fact there's a there's an example i'm working on right now um a, a well-known singer left a band not long ago and the guitar player uh because the guitar player had become an alcoholic so i said to him look should we put this in the book um, the, this particular guitarist is not going to want to know everyone to know that he has a problem with alcohol. Uh, it's gonna, it could possibly affect his career, uh, and, and you could be sued. You know, and does it really? Does the book suffer if we don't put that detail in? Um, so I think we'll leave it out uh, because it doesn't really add an awful lot. And the other thing is, I don't think it's wise for people to slag to slag each other off in the in books. And the reason for that is that. You know, these books last hundreds of years now, right? So when I was doing Glenn Hughes's book, perfect example. Uh, we were writing that book, um, and Glenn, as you know, had had a um, tumultuous relationship with Gary Moore over the years. Um, he'd worked with him twice, both times he'd been kicked out of that band. Uh, but he'd made his peace with him, right? So as we were writing the book, it was all good. Uh, and when we wrote about Gary Moore, it was all optimistic and friendly you know and positive and then in the middle of the writing of the book uh glenn bumped into gary on a plane and gary was really rude to him i don't know why i i, I don't know the details all i know is that i got a phone call from glenn saying right that's it <laughs> gloves are off uh we're gonna we're gonna say some stuff about gary in this book and i said uh listen man just take a minute to think about this you know i mean this this book is going to be you know 
available for hundreds of years after you and I are dead and Gary's dead. You know, do you, do you want people's lasting memory of your and Gary Moore's music to be that you hated him at the end? Um, and we thought about it and he said, OK, no, you're right. Let's leave that out of the book. So in the, in the end, none of that went in. And lo and behold, what happened? Gary Moore died, you know, and um, that that would have been that would have been a, a bad way to end that relationship, him and him and Glenn. So that's an example of when I try not to put something that would be either tasteless or legally dodgy or just unwise because it's negative for the sake of negativity. Um, now, in the case of Thunder, there was some of that. There was some slagging off between the band members, which didn't need to go in. I didn't, I didn't put it in. Nothing major, and not, I should say, between the current band members, between uh, ex, uh, aimed at ex-band members, right? And uh, that didn't need to go in, and so it didn't go in. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, it's a very long answer to a short question. But, no, but, uh, on the other hand, Joel, you have to look at it. That, like, that sort of stuff sells the book, too. So if you keep leaving it all does. of it out... Well, well, publishers, left. publishers will demand it sometimes. Yeah. They'll say, we want, they will have said to Carmine, I imagine they will have said to Carmine and his writer, uh, we need that mud shark story, not only in the book, but advertised on the cover and in the publicity, because that's a classic story that Led Zeppelin fans want to know about. Um, and a major, not a major selling point, a minor selling point for the book. Um, so, yes, publishers are keen. Fans are often keen. It's about moderation, really. Do you load it up with all that stuff and end up with a Motley Crue book? Um, or do you try and maintain a bit of dignity? You know, the writer's probably got, uh, he may have a family, he may have children, he may have grandchildren, he's certainly got a fan base. You know, hint at the fun, tell some of the more amazing stories, but don't load it on every page. That's my view. Yeah, so so what books did it for you, Joel, music books? Any good ones stick out for you? Uh, it's made you laugh, actually. I just read Phil Collins's. Oh, I, I want to read that. I heard it's good. It's good. I did like it. Um, he uh, crams in quite a lot into uh, into a book, which which slightly lets it down because suddenly he's in Brand X, which is interesting. Suddenly he's making it big with Genesis after Peter Gabriel leaves. Uh, then he's got a massive solo career. Then he's doing all the sort of that whole Live Aid, 80s charity, millionaire, friends with Prince Charles stuff, which is a whole other level of cultural activity and worth some analysis because that stuff is so cheesy nowadays. Um, and then he does his soundtrack stuff and does the Lion King, uh, not the Lion King, Tarzan. And um, then he becomes an alcoholic at the end uh, and deals with that in like one chapter. He becomes an alcoholic, then he goes to rehab and he's no longer an alcoholic and he's fine. But all that stuff happens very quickly and you think uh, it would have been nice if they'd given him another 100 pages just to slow down a bit and talk about this stuff in more detail. Um, and that, so I really enjoyed that. And then I've just read uh, Stuart Copeland's autobiography, oh. um, which um, actually came out ages ago, like eight years ago or something. But um, I hadn't read it. And uh, I, don't, I, I just happened to have read Drummer's books the last couple of months. But um, they were both good. They were, they were both well written. And both talking about what it's like to be massively successful, um, which is interesting. Um, because it's not always a happy story, you know. Um, so yeah, there's those, and uh, I can't remember what's coming up, but there's loads of interesting stuff coming out, isn't there? Quite soon. Yeah, I think um, I know Sebastian Bach's got a book out. I haven't read it yet. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I was never a Skid Row fan, but I'm sure that's going to be funny. You know, I, I'm no, sure I reckon that's salacious. It's bound to be. Yeah, <laughs> you know what he's like. <laughs> well, he said he didn't put half of it in. He said uh, he had all these stories, and a lot of them made him come across as a kind of a creepy old man, which can happen, you know. Um, I, I will not name who this is, but I happen to be writing the book of a well-known, much, much older musician. Uh, and there's some stuff in there that is not really appropriate because he's talking about, um, talking about, uh, some stories of this nature. <laughs> 
and when you're a much older person, that doesn't necessarily read that well. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so yeah. Did you, did, it depends. When when you're interviewing these guys, Joel, did you ever look at them and say, "No fucking way, that happened. No way, you're lying to me, uh, or you're right. embellishing it, or you know what I, I mean?" I, yes, yes, you can normally tell when they're doing that. Um, and yes, I'm quite good at spotting that. Just as you and I would be if we were sitting together having a pint, and you knew I was telling a story that was a little bit exaggerated. Yes, absolutely, you can spot that, and I'm quite good at shutting that down and saying, "Come on." Come on, tell me what the truth was. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so of course, this. What are your hopes for this year? Did, like, you know, Sabbath, Sabbath are obviously going to finish. Um, yep. Is that going to be the big band for you that is going to hurt you the most? That they're actually calling it a day. Is there is there no, one band no, out there? No, not not hurting me at all. They're doing exactly the right thing. I mean, I've seen them three, four times in the last couple of years. Uh, and they're they're going out and at the peak of their powers, and I'm sure they'll they'll do interesting stuff. It's not only really. I mean, the poor guy's been so ill; he he needs a few bit of time off, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure they'll continue to do cool musical stuff. But no, I'm glad they're calling it a day rather than just keep going and keep, you know and just nah. Is enough enough? Richie Blackmore the other day, Jerry did an interview and he said that he thought that Deep Purple should call it a day because they're milking it a bit now, uh, and, and uh, you know. I think they pretty much are on their way out there calling their current tour the long, is it called the, the long retirement tour, the long goodbye, last long goodbye or something. Um, but that's an example of a band that should probably call it a day as well, because, you know, a, how many more tours do you need to do? You know, how anyway, many, depends how many waves you have, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Can't remember who I was talking to about that. It might be Chad Smith. Yeah. The Chili Peppers. He has, um, now, this may not be true, but as far as, <laughs> as far as I know, he's got three ex-wives, and between him, between them, they they demand some huge amount of of alley money every year. I can't remember. I don't know what the number is, but it's some giant amount, and uh, I think that could, that can happen. <laughs> I was that that to me was uh, when, when Slash ended back in Guns and Roses. He'd just gotten divorced, and I'm thinking, bingo. Yeah. You wondered the same about the Stone Roses, didn't you? They reformed, apparently, just after Ian Brown had uh, undergone something. Allegedly, supposedly, reportedly, my lord. <laughs> so <laughs> another, another band, you know, potential hang-up this year is, uh, is also Aerosmith. Any, uh, any thoughts on that? So I think they have announced it, haven't they? And they said that the download thing is the last thing they'll do. It's either the last thing they'll do or the last thing they'll do in England. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's been announced. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I was never that big a fan. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I, so I missed that. Me, you know... I, you know, being my fifties and being from Boston and they were like, they were my <laughs> primary initial band was, was Aerosmith. But the thing is, is really when they came back from kind of from the bad old days, it really yeah. wasn't the same band. It, it wasn't the band that put out rocks and get your wings and all that. So it's, it's, like, and they had all the, the, the slick production and the part and the sort of pop songs. No, I, I fully understand that. And I like songs. I do like songs from both incarnations of, of Aerosmith, but uh, I was never a big fan, a huge fan. Uh, just because the stuff wasn't heavy enough, and I, I, I you know, I like, I, I was a big fan of the Stones, and I thought they were a bit too Stonesy, you know, so on. But I, I've got no, you know, massive respect for them, of course, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, my, my favorite band, Joel, is Rush, and they I right. think, I think they've done it the right way. They just did a tour and then announced nothing and said, right, we're done. Neil Peart said, I, I can't do it anymore. And it's like, none of this, uh, we're doing it to sell tickets. And then, oh, there, there was so many people came, we're going to do another tour. None of that yeah. bullshit, you know? Yeah. No, I, 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 and the, the big picture here is that all these big bands are gradually withdrawing from view, aren't they? Um, and again, we, then, then we come back to the old conversation of who's going to replace them. <laughs> and, and the answer is, I have no idea. Yeah. You know? 
I'm think sure we've got another five, ten years. I think I think the one that'll hit me, I think that when they stop really is Maiden. I think I got yeah. Maiden were one of the first heavy metal bands I, I got into. And yeah. um I think when they stop it'll hit me like holy shit because I even yeah. said this to Scott, you, you've kind of grown up with a lot of these bands since you were like 16 years old. And when yeah. they stop, it's kind of like, it makes you, you feel old because a lot of their music still makes you feel young again, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm and you kind of get uh, used to seeing them touring and, and hearing that they're touring. It's kind of a comforting background noise, even if you don't go to the show. Um, no, I think if, if, if we, uh, we guys are still here and talking in five to ten years, it'll be very interesting to see what the musical landscape, landscape will be like. <laughs> Um, because all these bands will be gone, and most of the B-League bands, your Metallica, your Slayers and Slipknots, will be gone too, or, or inactive, you know. And uh, no, I can't quite imagine what, be, what it will be like. You know, there'll be, there'll be stuff, and the big bands will no doubt reform to do the odd gig here and there, but no, I don't know. Maybe we'll just be talking about books, books yeah. and films. So, so what, what albums are you looking forward to this year, Joel, Latin in particular? <laughs> Uh, well, I just said the creator one was good. Yeah. Um, let me think. What else have I? Uh, no, I, I can't even think of any. Rem- remind me what's have, coming out. Have you heard the Thunder album? Oh yeah, sorry, of course I have heard it, and it's really good. And Excellent. it's uh, it's it's like the last one. You know, Brilliant. it's full of G, full of life, full of different textures. And I'm not just saying that because they're my friends. It's generally a good record. Excellent. So uh, yes, thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, I heard that a while ago, and in fact, I wrote. Um, uh, I wrote the press release for um, for the German record label, which was uh, which was fun. So yeah, great band, nice guys. You know, they're just good blokes. Yeah, we've yeah. Had, I've had Harry on the show. Where we talked about the um, all you can eat, and we talked a little bit about the book, and yeah. uh, just a really genuinely down to earth nice guy. He's a great man. When I interviewed him for the book, we actually did it fairly quickly. I think we did about three hours uh, for his part, and we went and met in a pub in uh, West London, and we were both driving. And uh, as the conversation progressed, we were laughing and having fun. And we said, oh, I could just do with a pint of Guinness. I don't know why. We just both wanted a pint of Guinness. And we couldn't because we were driving. And uh, all, all we could think about was a pint of Guinness and a pint of Guinness. So um, when we, the next time we met, we were uh, in a pub having lunch with the rest of the band. And we got right on the Guinness, me and him. Uh, it was brilliant. <laughs> He's a lovely guy. I had a nice time with him. Yeah, yeah. No, good, good stuff. It's uh, it's always fun, Joel. You know, get get this kind of this once a year catch up, but uh, also it's great when we're able to get you mid year for a for a book thing as well. But well, I, uh, I love being on your podcast, so thank you. I just wish we were in a pub uh, drinking beers uh, rather now, than now. Just, I wanted a Guinness now, damn it. Yeah, well, you can <laughs> <laughs> make sure you have one for your Sunday lunchtime. Yeah, the closest I got, Joel, I was back in Ireland in November, so it was a little bit closer to you that time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. <clears throat> I'm sure the stuff does taste better over there. Oh, damn like, right it does. Yeah. It's, it has a totally different kind of head, doesn't it? It's slightly more yellow than the stuff we get over here, which is quite bright white. Yeah, I o- over in the States, it's... Ugh. Not so good? No. You can get a place, you get a good port. Yeah, but I'm not going to go around 50 pubs yeah, from yeah. 49 bad points to get a good one. Have you, have you had any of the maiden spears at all? Oh, I had one today. Did you? I had one. Yeah, we just went and had lunch and they gave pulled out a bottle of Trooper. Man, that stuff is amazing. I'll drink it all day if I can. Have, it's you, had the, have you had the red and black at all? No, that one I have not tried. No, oh. is that quite a lot stronger? Isn't that 6.66% or something? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Grab the, the bottles on the shelf there, Rich. I think it might that might be the strong version. The, the, the one I had today, the Trooper, was 4.7, which is which is you know fairly strong. You can only have one if yeah. you're going to drive. 6.8%. Yeah. Red, yeah, red and black porter. 
I think they were shooting for 6.6, but ended up with 6.8. Oh, it, no, that's, it, it, that's really six, They were shooting for 6.6, and they had Yannick Gares as well. He had three really Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to have some of that stuff. In fact, now you've uh, now you've mentioned it, I might go and pour myself a cold one. Very it's nice. Like, that's hard to find around here. And I just happened to be in a, a liquor store before I was going to a party, and we were just picking up some stuff. And I looked in the bottom shelf, and I saw a trooper, and I looked over next to it, and I was like, "No." And and I don't know. Apparently, I like my face must have gone ultimate fanboy because my girlfriend <laughs> said she'd never seen a look like that on my face ever. And I was like, I just had to get had to get it and. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Did you get the drink? Can you get, yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Can you get the super on, on draft over there? No. No, on draft over here, no. It's all Budweiser and piss. And yeah, and usually a trooper crap. over here, too, you, it's hard to find in bottles. I've been lucky to find it in bottles every time, but usually over here in the States, you can only get trooper in cans. But See, uh, yeah. I know we're diverting a little bit from the subject, but I, I actually am a big fan of American beers. You guys have the best craft stuff and IPA stuff. Really, really good. Way different from like a decade ago, 15 years ago, when I, I first tried it. Well, I was never a huge fan of British beers, Joel, because it was all yeah. ales and... Yeah. And yeah. it's like, nah, point of bitter. You know, they used to go into Coronation Street and point of bitter and one for him and one for yourself and all that. And it was like all that <laughs> r- and look rotten stuff, you know. <laughs> Depends where you go. You find yourself a good local brewery. The stuff is really good. But uh, yeah, if you go into a pub up there and, and you just drink the stuff that they pump out a billion pints a year, it's not so good. But uh, yeah, the trick is, trick is to do your research. And it's quite good fun doing it as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, Joel, when is your next book out? Do you have any, Is it one out in the next six months, you say? <clears throat> no, uh, there is no, no, no deal has been signed. It's very interesting. I, occasionally, I, um, I find myself uh, without a book deal. Um, but like I say, there are five books currently with the agents waiting for the deals to be signed. So what, it's, a, it's a nice little hiatus period. I had all these books out in the last quarter of the last year. And then no doubt there will be five books to write in the next year. But for now, I'm just focusing on doing stuff like I just told you about, the Motorhead book. Uh, sorry, the Motorhead uh, box set. Um, I've just done a load of liner notes for a bunch of uh, Uriah Heap reissues, which which turn out really nicely. Um, I continue to write obituaries and stuff for The Guardian and The Daily Telegraph, obviously I edit Bass Guitar magazine, and I'm a writer for a bunch of music magazines as well, so it just carries on. But no, so the books thing, the books thing will happen, uh, and uh, as I have more news, you'll be the first to hear. Excellent. Nice. These are quite big names, you know. These are these. Are, I may have mentioned them to you offline before, uh, and uh, those are the books which are going to get through. Plus some other ones that I haven't mentioned yet. So no, it's all it's all exciting. Oh yeah, the one the one book I always ask you about when we have you on the Gibson guitar book. Any word on oh, that? Yeah, it was uh, Dean, I think, right? It or Dean, Dean guitars? Dean. Yeah. yeah. Dean. Uh, no, no, that's uh, no. There's no progress with that. Not because anything bad has happened at all, uh, but just because I think the moment passed. We were both very busy, me and the uh, the owner of Dean, and um, it's just something which we will do when we're a bit less 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 uh, under pressure. That happens quite a lot, actually. Yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah stuff, literally stuff. every time I see a Dean guitar ad in a guitar magazine, I think, when's that book coming out? <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of stuff like that. I filmed an entire um, uh, TV series for uh, Scuzz TV. You know, there's a, there's a heavy metal satellite channel called Scuzz. That's right, yeah. And that was based on the book I did called The 100 Greatest Male Guitarist. And uh, we filmed uh, 100 three-minute episodes wow. uh, on Beast on Each Guitar Player. Yeah, me and uh, Jason from Akakoka, who's a friend of mine, sat and we talked about it. It got filmed. It just never got it never got uh, broadcast or, uh, I think, edited or broadcast. And uh, so projects like that, whether it's books, films, whatever, TV, anything, you know, record company stuff, 
sometimes they just don't progress, you know, they, they go a long way and they don't make it all the way. And then suddenly they come out 10 years later or something like that. Joel, as long as you get paid. Well, <clears throat> that always helps, you know, <laughs> as long as you get paid in the end. Yeah. That's how. Yeah. The creative is always the last one to get paid. Yeah. I'm sure you guys know. Well, Joel, it's been great having you on again. Uh, looking back Thank a little you, bit on I, last I, I, year. and Appreciate it. So next time you got a book out, we'll get you on. And, um, you know, the Thunder book's great, and we'll, I'll, hopefully you'll have someone from Thunder on in the next couple of weeks to talk about the new album. Good, man. It's a great record. You're going to enjoy it. Excellent. All right, Joel, so have a good rest of the night. Thanks very much, guys. Boys right, yourself from Guinness. Okay, speak to you later. All right, Joel, cheers. All right. Bye. All right, that is a wrap for this week. Once again, big thanks to Joel MacGyver for coming back on the show to help us with our 2016 Year in Metal wrap-up. And, of course, be sure to check out all of Joel's books. Not sure what is up yet for next week. Richie is busily working on a few different things, but uh, when that time comes, we'll know what it is. But in the meantime, as always, you can keep up with us on Facebook as well as on Twitter. And, of course, head over to FocusOnMetal.net for all of our episodes and also FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com for news and show notes and all that good stuff. And if you're looking for someplace else to go, then make sure you head up to EarPeeler.com Check out all of the great shows up there on Ear Peeler. So that's it. There ain't no more stick a fork in it. This puppy's done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.